Hi guys and welcome. This is Jen Gata Siciliano, artist, memoir writer, bipolar psychiatric survivor, and your host of Not As Crazy As You Think podcast, the place that offers an alternative perspective on mental illness, highlighting creativity, non-conventional healing, and breaking on through to the other side. If you are ready for a new narrative on the mental realm that celebrates crazy and cool without penalty, then Not As Crazy As You Think is for you. So this is the big day. I decided to take the plunge and get off Facebook. The whole experience has been completely an eye-opening, cathartic one. I realized how much time I've spent crafting posts, thinking about who might see them, who might like them. So much energy put into something that didn't give back as much as I was hoping Certainly not the authentic experience that I always thought would come back to me based on how much energy I had put into it. But I feel like getting this out of my life right now, besides dealing with all the privacy issues, which is something I talked about in episode eight of season one, I'm creating a vacuum. Something else will enter and letting go of this decade of my life that was kind of broken down by Facebook in segments to be sold to all of these third parties. That's not me anyway, so I'm choosing me. The thing is, I actually found Facebook a great capsulation of how happy and healthy my life was. And I always felt that Facebook was kind of a storage bank of all the data that would show how not mentally ill I was. And to have the psychiatric institution enter this playground that I'm also trying to live in and now analyzing me as an entity that needs to be dissected out of the office, out of the hospital, breaking down every post I like into, oh, this is a mentally ill post It's just unreal. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do in this lifetime based on their stupid science that shows that I am mentally healthy, mentally capable, and quite frankly, mentally stellar. I have a lot of talent. A lot of bipolars have an incredible amount of talent. Somehow this isn't factored in when they consider high-level functioning cognition. They don't believe it. They think the artistic talent is a side effect of what's actually missing. I'm not enough like them. And they have all my Facebook data to prove it. So much of my time on Facebook, especially these last few years, has been tailored around what others thought of me. Through their likes and comments on my posts, Now I invite a new chance to be noticed for who I am in a larger container. I invite a chance to reinvent myself again. I invite a new interaction with the world without Facebook. So here I am permanently deleting my account. I am on the page where it says confirm permanent account deletion. This is where you go when uh, after you decide that it's not just going to be deactivation, after you download every single thing that you've uploaded for 12 years, 3,000 pictures. It's ridiculous. 
so yeah, I downloaded everything. I have backups. I have cyber backups. I have hard drive backups, external, you know, internal. And I had these pictures saved anyway. It's just really hard to let go of something that kind of has colored your world for so long. All the body painting, you know, experiences and wild happenings I had for those few years especially, um, I will no longer be connected to that. Is it freeing? Yeah. Is it sad because I'm saying goodbye? Yeah. I've said goodbye before to parts of me when I was a high school English teacher. I had to say goodbye to that when I was in theater and forced to be on antipsychotics in my 20s um, instead of pursuing a vibrant career in acting and performing. A lot of things I've had to let go of. So in letting go of this, I am letting something new in. I'm going to read you what it says when you get to this last page. It says, confirm permanent account deletion. You're about to permanently delete your account. If you're ready to delete, click delete account. Once you submit your account for deletion, you have 30 days to reactivate your account and cancel the deletion. After 30 days, the deletion process will begin and you won't be able to retrieve any of the content or information you have added. So they actually still give it an out, which I think is noble of them in a way. But it just goes to show you how powerful their uh, storage capacities are. And they always have a little room to hold on to that data. The data doesn't immediately get erased as well. Um, Friends of mine who listen to this, they might have a lot of my messages hanging around with no attachment, no Facebook user attachment, like my name and info. But my messages might still be there lingering around for a little while until they finally disintegrate, I suppose, in data land. I don't know how it works. But eventually they do fall off. For all of you who are interested in doing this as well, I'll let you know how it feels. I still have those 30 days to say I'm okay with this. And I believe I will. I believe I totally will. But, you know, this was a big part of my life. And I believe it's a big part of many people's lives. And, you know, I'm not getting off of social media, even though that's my intention down the road. But it is a a medium right now in some capacity to keep in touch with people from the past. And I don't want to be an island. I am just going to keep working on my email contacts and hopefully build those up so I have a robust uh, network that was created on my own through authentic relationships. In the meantime, I still will be on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. But the vast amount of information that Facebook has collected itself, not through Instagram or, you know, I know they have their hands on a few other things, but Facebook is where the AI uh, celebration is going on. So at least I'm out of that. Okay, here we go. Delete account. I'm clicking. And your account is scheduled for permanent deletion. If you log into Facebook within the next 30 days, you'll have the option to cancel the deletion and retrieve any of the content or information you have added to your account. So they give you the out a few times. Okay, so that's it. I am, um, it says, it gives you the option to log in again, I guess, you know, to reactivate or create a new account. That's something I won't be doing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I recorded it. It's 
beginning my new life and I already feel free. <laughs> I already feel free because I had to spend a lot of time this last week to try to go through all my contacts and figure out who I was going to reach out to. And now that I'm disconnected from that world, wow, I just feel like I can talk about people individually again instead of the Facebook land. It's an instantly new psychology. I really don't even know how to embrace it. I am excited. I like it. I like the way it feels. I'll let you know how it goes. Um, right now, I'm feeling really, really free. I can live without Facebook. <laughs> it's really about can I live without that identity that Facebook gave me. I actually became someone through Facebook that was not what the psychiatric institution recorded about me. I had recorded something else about me, a non-mentally ill life. It was a life of celebration. It was a life of art. It was a life of connecting to people through my work. It was a life of happiness with my family. 95% of my waking days have been normal, have been um, healthy. The few times I went into those episodes, those shamanic journeys that I could not break out of, they've given me answers that have helped me write, have helped me grow, have helped me see things that many people cannot understand and cannot see. And, and yet, when COVID hit, all of a sudden, I wasn't so crazy. These things that I've been talking about for years and years and years, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I get it. I'm not saying that I'm brilliant. I'm not saying that I can see the future. All I know is that I can claim something. I can claim that I'm a human being with a mind that can interpret her surroundings with accuracy, with clarity, with an understanding of reality, and without a constant expression of what the psychiatric institution believes that is really the only way I can communicate to the world, which is in this mentally ill state. I don't even know what to say anymore because it's just so pathetic. And if anyone at this stage of my life, of society's wrong turn these last few years, I'm happy that I'm not on Facebook so that you can look me up and, and make your judgments because it is so wrong. If you believe that people who are labeled are less than. It's something that I have dealt with since I was 22 years old. And to think I'm 50 this year. I am 50. I've gone through 27 years of everyone thinking they're right and they're so utterly wrong. And, you know, I'm really just tired of it. And I'm so happy to move forward. It's a new life. It's 2021. I have hope. And I'm off Facebook. <laughs> Hello, this is Jen Gata Siciliano of Not As Crazy As We Think podcast. Thank you everyone for joining me for season two. It means so much to me that you're tuning in. Thank you. So I got off Facebook and so far I have no regrets. And with each day that passes in their 30 day countdown to full deletion of my Facebook data, I feel more and more free. Today is February 10th, and I took the plunge last Tuesday, which was Groundhog Day. So I am 25% into non-existence on their platform. While many people may not have any concern about their data and say, well, 
I have nothing to hide. I say, well, that's great. And that may be true for you right now. But for me, as a bipolar labeled artist who is on the radar of the emerging AI mental health care system, I definitely can no longer hide from my psychiatric records. So I say, why volunteer more information? Every detail that has been written inside my hospitalization records throughout the course of my lifetime, which were forced and funded for unnecessary long-term stay by my insurance company, constitute hundreds of pages in the medical online storage system that is now being spoon-fed neurally to the AI brain. Scientists from the Department of Genetics and Genomic Sciences at the Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York published an open scientific report on May 17, 2016, in Nature International Journal of Science entitled Deep Patient, an unsupervised representation to predict the future of patients from the electronic health records. 75,000 patients' records from the databanks of Mount Sinai were fed into an AI system with the goal of achieving better predictive analysis in clinical decision-making in certain diseases, including serious mental illness, which points to the two biggies, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Although it's still not demonstrated that the cause of mental illness is solely biological, people are becoming convinced that this approach for diagnosing a patient is appropriate. Treatment issued by robots in patient care is on its way. And remember, experimentation begins with the mentally ill. Further, unsupervised AI will come to conclusions in ways that humans cannot. So tracing backwards to review how it arrived at its results is impossible. But since the commodity of certainty is what sells, this claim to accurate prediction is all that is needed. Electronic health records were developed for billing, not patient care, and are filled with mistakes or missing data or slanted reporting for purposes of getting it covered by the insurance. You have to see the observations they have written down about me in their records. In my St. Patty's Day hospitalization in 2017, at the start of my imprisonment, I asked for one phone call, like prisoners are allowed which needed to be made to Gabby Fox. Gabby and I had known each other for 11 years. In that time, we had artistically worked together in a playwright-director relationship in three other productions through which a trust was forged. We had the chance to collaborate again for Westchester's Axial Theater on their production Glass Ceiling Breakers, which was a series of one-act plays by women playwrights that ran from March 24th to April 2nd, 2017. Due to my forced incarceration, as the director, I was not able to attend my own tech week nor opening weekend of the show. I had asked for their cooperation in obtaining Gabby's contact number because they had confiscated my cell, but they refused. They stated in my records that afterwards I was irritable and brooding, which is noted as symptomatic in reference to the DSM bipolar label. In my records, they write, Thought Content delusional. Psych comment. Patient continues to be irritable. This AM, patient wanted staff to Google a person in an attempt to get their cell phone number. Patient stated, I'm in charge of this theater production and I need to get in touch with one person so everyone doesn't show up and then I'm not there. Patient questioning and irritated when told that staff could not accommodate her request. Patient maintaining behavioral control, but easily irritated. 
And as I kept trying to communicate that I was a play director and that a lot of people were counting on me and that my absence would affect them, this was evidence that I was grandiose, an acute symptom attached to their tag of bipolar disorder. My stay went into 10 days because they kept reporting this in their records as the fantastical reason I imagined for my unfair commitment, when in fact it was true, not delusional. But they never cared to find out if it was true. I was showing enormous self-control in holding back my warranted level of anger for depriving me of my freedom and basic human dignity of continuing my work which by their standards was abnormally irritable. From their progress notes, Patience says she has a lot of people who depend on her, and she has had to delegate the responsibility of directing a play to someone else while she is here. She is distraught. Her speech is rapid. She has a convoluted insight rationalizing all her behaviors. This is what I do. I should be accepted for who I am just because I don't hold it down a traditional job, this is what artists and writers do to make money. Again, to this institution, this sounds crazy. The hospital recorded away. They noted that my behaviors were guarded and weird, that I had delusions of being controlled and paranoid ideation. They stated that I had problems with thoughts and that my learning needed reinforcement and that I was unable to comprehend, that I presented poor judgment, and that my words were bizarre. Everything I was to them represented an abnormal individual, and any action I took or words I spoke were recorded as abnormal. And my claim that my bipolar symptoms were gifts was the ultimate sign of mental illness. Patient feels threatened that she has been plucked from her life without any warning, sees the DSM-5 bipolar symptoms as a gift, which makes her creative and gives her the ability to give to others and make them happy as an artist and a writer. The night I was admitted to the emergency room, I was torn away from a career commitment I made with a restaurant to work as a body painter for that night. When I explained I have a body painting career that is happy and healthy, they found this to be insane. Artists are not living delusionally motivated lifestyles because we are doing something out of love instead of money. My preferred work lifestyle fits my rhythms, fits my talents, and is admired by many. And I'm happy with my work choices. Feeling fulfilled in one's work is an extremely important mental health factor. Dr. Deepak Chopra, author of Ageless Body, Timeless Mind, identifies job dissatisfaction and working more than 40 hours a week as major factors that contribute to the aging process. And yet, my choices in living a life committed to creating art and expressing myself through writing is disrespected and seen as abnormal by them. From my progress notes, patient still considers her bipolar symptoms as a gift encouraged patient to think about maintaining moderate energy levels rather than the highs and lows of bipolar symptomology, patient comfortable with her rationalization that her symptoms enable her to contribute to the world of creative writers, actors, and thinkers. An artist's right is the right to be. Poet, writer, and activist Kaya Grossberg gave the 2005 keynote address to NARPA, 
National Association for Rights Protection and Advocacy, entitled Being Creatively Maladjusted, Spiritually Informed Social Activism. She states, I recently went to a training for patients' rights advocates that ended with a talent show. I realized that if everyone in the room took their talent and ran with it, we'd have a room full of artists, musicians, and craftspeople, rather than people who identify as ADD, manic depressive, and mentally ill. We could have a room full of people who know they have gifts and need to nurture their health through exercise, good nutrition, and less toxins. Artists of all kinds are sitting on the inside, a group of mad prophets who encompass many of the mentally ill in the bipolar category. Psychiatrists were once ridiculed for diagnosing eccentric types as pathological based on personality quirks and idiosyncratic behaviors. Today, artists who are unafraid to challenge the system are currently deemed the mental deviants of society, unable to cognitively function normally. The eccentric lifestyle behavior and thought processes of the artistic personality type, the most predominant group labeled with bipolar disorder, are merely different from the norm. And the average normal person is not more normal than the artist. But throughout my record, they continued away recording what a crazy artist I am from my medical report. Patient eager to join music therapy session, encouraging another patient to join and then choosing an instrument for him. When she was told everyone should choose their own instrument, she was agreeable. She played the drums at first extremely loud, but when the music therapist instructed everyone to go softer, she followed his instructions. She said, this is great. The room is absorbing all of this positive vibrational energy. This was a serious symptom of mental illness. <laughs> Over 20 years, the psychiatric institution has strove to convince me that I am mentally ill and that there is something inherently wrong with who I am as a creative human being. But I don't see myself as a defective gene because I use my imagination differently than everybody else. I see myself as an artist. I'm an artist. In my pre-COVID body painting career, I painted people who were learning to love themselves from the outside in. My work provided healing on therapeutic levels, allowing my models to see themselves as a work of art. I'm not someone to be forcibly pulled away from what I love to do so that I can sit in their prison with no purpose, but for them to look at me for 10 days and record words that I utter. Artists provide beauty for humanity that feeds the mind, nourishes the soul, and inspires us to feel. And this institution, in the name of mental health, are killing the artists by shutting them up with toxins and disempowering thoughts about themselves. I mourn for that coming day when the artists are wiped from the earth by this philosophy and there is no more color and no more art for the sake of love. Anyone who knows me hears my voice in these statements recorded in their reports, and yet they categorize this as mentally ill for simply speaking the words that naturally come out of my mouth, as I am living as Jen Gata Siciliano, and by their standards, I am not allowed to be me. I am not allowed by them to think of myself as talented or gifted without them thinking I'm delusional. Martin Luther King Jr. understood. He called our gifted sect of society creatively maladjusted. 
He saw creatives as vibrant contributors towards progressive social growth who could influence change by providing others with hope so that they may rise to the challenges of our time. He believed artists to be the ones who could inspire in others new ideas of possibility, using our gifts as a medium to the human community, providing compassionate understanding to the tribe, which in turn releases the power of the human spirit. And yet all these beautiful creative future visionaries are currently being laced on drugs, hospitalized, against their own will, because according to psychiatry, we don't have the ability to rise above the mark of a defective gene. Based on this old-fashioned predeterminism, there is no way, no matter how much I prove myself, that they will look at the reality that I am evolving ever further, every day, into a happy and whole person because they believe that at some point I will fail at being me based on my genetics and their predictions. Being born defective in their philosophy nullifies the value of each one of us as a unique human being. In its growing punitive treatments and unwavering commitment to biological theories, the field of psychiatry excludes the most important things in life, finding one's purpose and meaning through finding out why we were born. We are magnificent works in progress if allowed to grow. Well, in the end, the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I know for sure they're wrong about me. I am not as crazy as they think, and I am far more than a mental patient. I am an artist, and I am a human being. Thanks for listening to Not As Crazy As You Think, and don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And remember, mental health is attainable for anyone, especially those labeled with mental illness. Until next time, peace out.